Good evening and welcome to another episode of Bar Study, where we discuss love, law, libations. I'm your host, Shade Walker, a 3L at CUNY Law, and I'm accompanied by my lovely co-host, Shaniqua Parker, also known as Sha, also a 3L at CUNY School of Law. Alright. Hey, girl. Hey, boo, how are you? Good. Where your drink at, girl? Because you know this is love, law, salvation. Right <laughs> okay. Cheers. So let's get into this episode. All right. We got um, some stuff to discuss. All right. So, you know, you and I as black women, you know, just want to talk about um, what that looks like, black women for Black Lives Matter. Um, one thing that I just want to make sure is at the forefront of this conversation is the fact that, you know, black women are out here like fighting for people, but like who's fighting for us? That is definitely a question. Yeah, because like being black and being a woman is really hard because, um, it's like being black twice. (laughs) It really is. Like you have to deal with racism, you have to deal with sexism, and then on top of that, you got to deal with colorism. Misogyny. It's like prevalent in America, who we are. Yeah, I mean, those things are just built into the fabric of America. I always say, like, racism is as American as apple pie, because it's like, when you say, you know, there's racism going on, somehow people interpret that as I'm anti-America. I was born in America. This is my country. I'm not leaving my country. I'm going to fight for what I deserve, my seat at the table, because this is my country built on the backs of my ancestors. So nobody ever said, fuck America. But they did say, fuck the police. They did say that. (laughs) Well, we we understand (laughs) where we're at right now with the fuck the police. We get it. And if the opportunity is, as a black man, you literally have two strikes against you. Like you said, it's tough. One, you're black. Right. Strike one. Two, you're a woman. Exactly. Like So, you're beating a two-headed donkey in submission, and it's just never going to happen because you jack it with one head, and the other head's just coming up, up at you. Like, you're never going to win. Like, there's no way around it. And it's something that... I don't think everyone understands truly how hard it is. No. It's tough being it's even tougher being a woman. Right. And like and we get the plight of, of the black man and we're always fighting for them. We're always at the forefront. We're I, f- I feel like, you know, black women are, have been like part of a lot of different movements. Like when it comes to LGBTQ plus rights, when it comes to yep. um, you know, feminism movement and like women's rights. You know, when it comes to all those things, we're at the forefront, especially in the Black Lives Matter. We were at the forefront as well of women gaining the right to vote. Sister Sojourn the Truth, ain't I one? She let you know she's Black. Then she had Roger, she was a woman. That was what also like are those even her words? Like because Sojourn the Truth could not read and write. And so it was a a feminist who came to hear her speak, a a white woman who came to hear her speak, and she was a journalist, and she took down, you know, notations of what was said. And so 
I like to hope that, you know, her message and her words were not misconstrued. But as far as we know, like, are those her words? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I was very passionate. I mean, in third grade, I had to do a session of truth. Like, I recited the whole poem. And I'm now 37, so I've been through some things. So don't ask me to recite it right now. But <laughs> the reality is that she understood that she was a Black woman. She spoke being a Black woman. She spoke on being a slave. She spoke on being worked to the bone of being treated as a help. But then she had to remind them, ain't I a woman as well? Like, the first thing they see is Black. They don't see her as a woman. So what they would give to a white woman, the respect, see her as maybe in the case of the fairer sex. They don't see that for a black woman. But getting back to what you were saying, though, right? And like in terms of like um, respect, like I'm going to quote the words of the late great Malcolm X, who couldn't have said it better. And it's really sad that it is still very true to this day. Nothing has changed. Um, and his words were the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. And the most neglected person in America is the black woman. Absolutely. And our femininity is stripped away from us. Like, I mean, today, last year, 2016, before that, it was really evident. For example, the Me Too movement was started by a black woman that has literally been erased. And it was started because black and brown women were not being heard when they tried to explain or tell their stories of being sexually assaulted in the workplace, in life in general. We weren't being heard. Mm -hmm. And it was literally preempted and taken over for the whole entertainment industry of primarily white women. Now we're unprotected again because thousands of black girls go missing every daily and no one cares mm -hmm. chicago atlanta here in new york mm -hmm. and no one cares as far as neglected we damn sure are i mean one of and one of the activists for black lives matter she was recently found murdered by a black man yes toyin the 19 year old black uh lives matter activist and it's so sad and that when you mention that that goes right into our discussion we talk about violence against black women and it's so sad that here we are at the forefront of the Black Lives Matter movement. This is a woman who is so young in the prime of her life, had her dreams cut short. You know, I'm sure she would have went on to be an extraordinary leader and voice. Absolutely. And her just, and that was just cut short. And it was by another Black man, a Black man who was 30 years her senior. And here what you are sexually assaulting her. She was seeking help, and she looked to someone who looked like her, an elder in a sense, to assist her, and he went and he took advantage of that. And then she spoke out about it. And it's like, so what happened after she spoke out about it? I mean, people were looking for her, but she spoke out and was like, this is what happened, and then there was nothing else. And then she's found, and she essentially was disrespected. She was unprotected, and she was neglected. When right. she reached out for help, to a person that should have been helping her because Black Lives Matter, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And so it's difficult for us to feel, I mean, we will continue to fight, but it's like, really, who's protecting us? Mm -hmm. Who's and looking out for us? Then talk about, there was a skateboard incident in Harlem and in which a young man, you told me about this, how the young man, go ahead, you can explain it better. A lot of my friends are from Harlem. 
one of my friends in particular on Facebook posted about the video. All I saw, homie hit the girl with the skateboard, knocked her out, walked off, and was like, she disrespected him, fuck, and said his name. She posted it. I went on Instagram, noticed that other people made link of it and posted it. Everyone was saying, yo, he got to get his. It went so fast on social media. It was crazy. I'm not even going to say his name because you can look it up. Not throwing out his name. He don't deserve it. Just know that that was about 8.39 in the morning when I saw my homegirl post it. Swear to God, 6.30 that night, it was on the shade room, man. His page was shut down. He crying. Talk about, oh, you don't know the backstory. His boys is talking about, you don't know the backstory. They all had excuses. That's so no backstory. Walk away. You are they not all had excuse why he felt the need to hit her with a fucking skateboard. And there is no excuse. There's no excuse to walk the fuck away. Exactly. As an adult, one of the things I constantly say is my mommy and my daddy cannot make me play with you. If I don't like you, I don't have to be around you. I'm an adult. I control my own environment, my own space. You can remove yourself from a situation. Which I may add, we may, we are not lawyers yet. We are exactly one year away. But keep in mind, in New York, you can't do no self-defense if there's an opportunity for you to walk away. If you could retreat from the situation, there's no self-defense. There's no justifying any assault because you're expected to remove yourself from a situation in which you feel threatened or harmed. This is not the wild, wild west, and this is not no. Florida, and there's no stand your ground. And so, yeah, there's none of that. And there's, there's none of that. You would have walked away. So... And then his boys are sitting around laughing. And I know this may come off as harsh, but that don't get my pussy wet, okay? I'm not going to fuck around with no little pussy little dudes that's sitting around here laughing, the thing hitting on the girl, and your boy's about fuck out. That don't get my pussy wet. That don't want me to talk to you, and I don't know what kind of girls y'all mess with that get their pussy wet, but y'all should evaluate your life. That shit ain't sexy or attractive at all. I mean, I just feel like we're in a different time. Like, I'm not saying that things like this, like domestic violence and things like that, intimate partner violence hasn't always occurred. But what I will say is I feel like there's a decline, there's a deterioration in the generations that are coming, you know, forth. Like, you know, every generation, I feel like it gets worse. And it's like, we have to be part of the, the solution and make it better. Absolutely. Like, because, like... I try to tell my dad, he don't be understanding, he don't be comprehending. I'm like, daddy, you were born in the 60s. The type of men that were alive and well in the 60s, those are not the type of men that we're encountering today. Each generation, I feel like it gets worse. Like, um, a friend of mine's asked, are you teaching your son not to rape girls? Are you teaching your sons no means no? Because a lot of it is put on us as women. Yeah, it's it's rape culture. It's rape culture. And I think the same thing, now that we're speaking of rape culture, it's always the woman's fault. You know? And it's not. It's it's looking not. At what did she do? What did she have on? Where was she? She shouldn't have gone here after hours in this place. It's dark here. It's not you safe. See him it's on. always put on the woman. When it's like, no, teach your son not to be a rapist. No, teach your son to keep his hands to himself. Exactly. I have to avoid that. What you won't do is you won't hit a girl. If she hits you, you'd be like, huh? And you walk away. I told my boys, no means no. Back or track, the last incident of um violence that has been 
thing. Was the dumpster, the dumpster um incident in the DMV or DC area? Like I saw the video of it, and it was just sad. And you know, of course, they were full of excuses. You know, oh um she was a, she was on drugs, and she tried to kiss um this little fourteen year old boy. Okay, I saw the video. From what I saw, y'all was egging her on. The men were egging her on, saying, oh give him a kiss, give him a kiss. They were all, you know, making fun of her. They was roasting her. And then they grabbed her and threw her in the dumpster. Now, a dumpster is dirty. There's trash in there. You don't know what's in there. It could be freaking COVID in there, okay? That's first of all. And then it could be animals, environment, and et cetera in there. Exa- all type of things. Just disease, all type of nasty stuff that's in there. Bacteria that causes disease, rotten food, all that. Who knows what's in there? But y'all threw her in there. Y'all all laughed. Y'all, and then of course, here come the excuses to justify your behavior. Come on, I'm just tired of the excuses. You are an adult, okay? And the 14-year-old boy, um, the men that are around him, teaching him that this is okay, it's just really sad. And again, walk away. If a person is coming up to you they're trying to accost you they are trying to instigate something with you start something with you they're on drugs they're harassing you walk away or if you can't walk away put your phone up because there's situations which you can't walk away so I, i'm tired of excuses there's a follow-up because she was it guess who helped her black women black women gave her makeover gave her support Mm-hmm. Gave her some clothes, got her hair done, makeup done. Thanks to um, family. Like, black women out here being all the social workers. Yes. Being all the therapists, being all the ministry, we being everything. And yet, all we keep hearing in these damn streets is how we ain't good enough. We get compared to everyone else, despite the fact that we hold so much on our shoulders. And let's talk about what we are carrying on our shoulders. Okay, I want to talk about... Um, black women being head of household. I want to talk about the financial toll that that that's put on them, the mental, the physical toll that's put on them, and then also talk about like the myth of the strong black woman. So you know, I am a primary breadwinner. I am a head of household. I mean, all of this is for my money. This yes. is for my cash money, and I don't get government assistance. I work very hard. At the work that I do, I attend school. I have three children I take care of. I let my sisters are awesome help because it takes a village to raise a child. And I'm not going to pay some random person to watch my children. So outside of me, I am not, I'm actually not the exception. Mm-hmm. It's black women actually happen to be the primary breadwinners, the head of households. Even when they have a partner, they tend to be the higher earning mm-hmm. Or when you're single, for someone like me, I mean, I am in a relationship, but when I file my taxes, it's single, bitch, and I am the head of household. Like, that's what I'm checking off on these boxes. Like, when I do when I do my, um, when you first get hired, you got to fill out your little W-2 form and all this stuff, your little <laughs> tax paperwork, single, head of household. So I'm taking care of, either we're taking care of other people or we have to take care of ourselves. And do not forget that even though you may be single, a lot of us are taking care of parents. We're taking care of siblings. We're taking care of nieces, nephews, etc. Even if they don't live with us, they are some people that we take care of. Right. We provide some kind of care. Exactly. And so our income is stretching across the board. I mean, I have colleagues who 
literally live here in America and they send a lot of their money back home because they have right. families back home, but they have whole families and stuff here and their money is stretching to go to two places. Right. No one told them. Like they're working hard, they're moving, and they always have to consider that. And even though we happen to be the primary head of household, the primary earners, we also happen to be the most educated demographic. Right. Across all women, we tend to be um, the most educated. Um, and that is according to the National, National Center of Education Statistics in 2019. Yes, pat ourselves on the back, ladies. That's right. That's what we're doing big things. We're getting degrees out here. Because we got to take care of ourselves. We ain't got nobody riding in on no horse to come and save us. There's no knight in shining armor. We have to save ourselves. We out here unprotected, disrespected, and neglected. And neglected. So we got to make it work. <laughs> we got to make it work. So we run around here with all these degrees. We still get paid less than white and black men, mm-hmm. as well as white women, but the same or similar jobs. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm actually quite lucky, and I say that frequently because I happen to work for an agency that's progressive and as well as diverse, and they understand the pay for the value. But that's not the same for a large majority of us. We're running around here with student loans for multiple degrees mm-hmm. to be running around here making $20,000 less than Chad, who has a bachelor's. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and like you were saying too, like one of the another positive thing too is like you were saying, black um, women-owned businesses have increased one hundred and sixty-four percent. That's the truth, and a lot of us have taken those side hustles. A lot of us have taken those those holes in the niches. Like, I mean, there's places Izzy and Liv. I got this from is a black woman-owned company, it's a cute little dashiki, and at, they sell other things. We see holes. There's the skincare. There's the hair care. Hair there's the care industry is huge. Nubia, fancy. I mean, hair black women are out here filling those holes for us because we are. Listen, they out here making eighteen shades. I know there's eighteen plus shades in my family of black folk. <laughs> we come in all it's different colors. Like. It's good to see that at this point we're like, okay, so y'all don't want to give us a room at your table. We gonna build our own table. Yeah, so, ladies, to be agreed. We booked and busy. Let's do it. Yes, and we're gonna get into the black economics in a minute. I'm coming with that. I'm coming. Um, but yes, yeah, so like you were saying, like we're take we're hit, we're having the financial toll, the burden on us, supporting families, and when you talk about like also like supporting black men we're raising um sons absolutely Um, we are you know people who unfortunately are locked up and have their freedom taken it's the family that's holding you down the family's doing the bid with you they're putting money in the books they're taking the trips to go see you when they remove you from your community and ship you two hours three hours five hours almost to the canadian border in the state of new york and And i've done that I've, i've gone to see family member who was locked up and that is like a five hour drive then when you get there they treat you like shit um because they're trying to break you and so black women are the the backbone we're there supporting you every step of the way at every court appearance Mm -hmm. and we we the ones doing the footwork for you so like here's the thing just be mindful because i've had family i've had friends and it's it's a dynamic that happens when they're incarcerated because they're in there and they have nothing but time on their hands and they start thinking about things and it is it's not necessarily say that they're selfish but when you're stuck in a situation you don't think about what other people outside are going through life is still happening. you have to deal with life 
Yes, life is still happening. So in addition to accepting those phone calls, they have to make sure they keep the phone on. Right. In addition to keeping the phone, that means they got to go to work. So between work, there's kids, there's school, there's paying these bills, there's making sure that you got what you need while you up there, there's paying for those trips to see you. But life still happens, bills still happen, kids still have to go to school. You being gone may cause some trauma, it may cause some issues in your children. So now there's an extra, now the child has to go to therapy. So now there's another appointment. There's still time to take away from that. So just think about how you not being present, even if it still happen when you aren't present. Regardless of what you may think, life still happens. Even if, like, someone in my shoes, I don't have kids, you know what I mean? I I don't, um, that's not my reality. Because, again, um, the Black experience is is not to be put into a box and to be categorized mm-hmm. in one because there are all spectrums of, of Blackness. And some people are very privileged and live a wonderful life. And there's some people who are below the poverty line. And it is literally the rainbow of spectrums across that. And so for someone like me and yourself, even too, we're b- what I call buppies, black urban professionals. I don't have any <laughs> children. I don't have any like major responsibilities. And even still for me, it's hard. Like every day, like everything is on me. Like that's adulting. Like I got to get up every day. I got to go to work every day. If I'm hungry, well, I go say I got to cook and my daddy hold me down. He be cooking and taking me to work. <laughs> Financial responsibility, you know, it's on me. And the life that I want to create, it's on me to create it for myself. I'm not coming from generational wealth. I cannot turn, um, you know, really to um, any elders or whomever in my family and ask for anything without having to pay it back, okay? <laughs> because, you know, they may, they may be able to help me, but it's going to be, you know, something taken from them in order to help me. So when you talk about first generation, like how we are going to be first generation lawyers, first generation, or, you know, first generation, it's mm-hmm. a lot on you because you're the first one. Your payment. It's definitely a lot. Believe that. And it's also what I did notice is that like you you call us buppies, but the reality is that I think I was taught something early on that everybody, even people my age don't pay attention to. It's important to have a 403 or a 401k. It's important to have a savings. It's important to have a life insurance policy. It's important to have all of these things to help prepare for the future. Even if you're not thinking about the future, you got to prepare for the future. He's got something to tuck away for, and that's a case. Right, because if God forbid you lose your job. So these are all the financial burdens, you know, that black women have to undertake. While generally, I mean, if you look at um, the rate of, of single mothers, it's highly prevalent in the black community, and they have to bear the brunt of that on their own without really support. Mm -hmm. Um, and then moving on to things like, you know, your physical and your mental health. I cannot stress this enough, like access and quality to adequate medical care, you know, the black community don't have proper access to medical care and, um, you know, therapy is very important. I cannot stress how, um, therapy has helped to improve my life because I'm not alone when you're carrying all those burdens, the financial, the mental, the physical, you need an outlet. You need someone that you can talk mm-hmm. to because guess what? Your girlfriends, before you unload on your girlfriend, cause that's usually our therapy. I'm gonna talk to my girlfriend about it. I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna pray on it. Your girlfriends have their own burdens. So I think mm-hmm. it's very important that before you unload on somebody, ask them if they're in the mental space to listen to your shit. Because if they not, find a therapist. 
it's something more with therapy. Therapy helps you. Your friends aren't going to ask the right question. Therapist, at the end of the day, is trying to get you to understand why you do the things that you do mm-hmm. and how you can recognize, okay, this is why I do it. Let me stop doing it this way. Because at the end of the day, all that changes with you. But you got to be able to talk to someone unbiased, someone who isn't going to judge you. Mm-hmm. And if they are, you're not supposed to know that's how, that's how you know they're a good therapist. Right. Someone that can you human and get to know you and you know be able to help you work through some things you wouldn't normally be able to work through yourself i have some links available so that if you are seeking therapy there's things like therapy for black girls um you know then you have to also um i I came across something in which you can get like um essentially funding or like a scholarship kind of to help pay for your therapy i'll make sure that you know those links are in the description you know, things so people can click on it and, and get the help that they need. Um, also, another thing, too, I cannot stress the importance of Black doctors because I've made sure when I found my therapist, you know, I tried therapy for Black girls. They didn't accept my health insurance. So what I did was I went onto my um, my health insurance, their website. I looked up therapists, and they had a profile and pictures of all the therapists. So I just picked out the colored people, called, left a message for them. One of them, I don't know, she was heaven sent. She called me back, set up my appointment. I've been talking to her ever since for over a year now, about a year and a half now. And it's, um, it's, it's helpful. Like, you know, she's very professional. And, she, this, and I think there's a stigma, too, in the Black community about talking to somebody, about getting help. People have all these ideas of what therapy is. Like, I know even my daddy, he'd be like, how is therapy? Like, you know, first of all, I'm not supposed to be talking to you about it. Cause that's I mean, you can see, like, it was great, very refreshing. Right, right. I mean, you don't got to know. Not so much what the contents of what you're talking about, but I think they're more interested in what the experience is like, what it is like to talk to a therapist. And how do you feel after you? How do you feel after? Is it working for you? And to be honest, the therapist kind of just leads you in your own conclusion. They kind of just, it's, it's kind of like going bowling. And you know how you have the bumpers in the gutter so that you don't get a gutter ball? Like when little kids go bowling, it's kind of like that. You know what I mean? You throw the ball. It's going to bounce around, but it's eventually going to make it down. <laughs> why I let you explain it, because it's social work, I mean, it's, it's, it's this is why I tell people you got to go to a therapist, because here's the thing. I could come and have a conversation with you, and you'd be like, but Shy, you know how you get. That doesn't really help. Whereas the therapist would be like, so how does that make you feel? So how did you respond to that? One of the things my therapist says that I love, and she goes, okay, and so what can you do? <laughs> What she's doing is trying to get you to focus on where your problems kind of start at. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're so all over the place that you don't get it. So it's really, especially for us as black women, because we're always on 100 all the time. We're always moving. We're always going from point one, point two, A, B, and then next you know we at Z and now we're across the street. We'd we be doing all kinds of shit in 20 minutes flat. And so it's really difficult for us to focus on ourselves. It's really difficult for us to actually sit down and wonder why we do the shit that we do. Because we don't have time to do that. That shit is shit. called coping. That's what it's called. That's it. We, we cope so much that we got we gotta stop doing that. We can't just take everything that come at us. And because we're only 
are doing a detriment to ourselves because let me get right into it girl let me talk about these mortality rates okay let's talk about high blood pressure diabetes and stroke which we suffer from because we are internalizing all the trauma all the stress all the everything we're expected to be strong at all times and just handle shit and just deal with shit that other women are not expected to go through and so it manifests itself one of the things like you know i'm a very spiritual person i believe you know energy is never lost it's only transferred that's one of the things i remember learning when they talk about kinetic energy when i was in science class and so if you going through all this trauma you're supposed to be the backbone of your family this is not going right in this person's life. This ain't going right over here. Bills is overdue over here. Eviction notice over here. Losing job over here. What? How do you think that manifests? That manifests in high blood pressure. That's what that manifests because you are stressed. A good example of what you're saying is the movie Soul Food, Big Mama. She took on all the stress of keeping that family together and diabetes took her out. And the family fell apart briefly when she passed away. Mm -hmm. That is literally black women in a nutshell sometimes, y'all. Like we internalize and take on everything. That's we try to keep the family together and we'll take on everything just so the kids won't know we stress. The kids know we stress, but we think they don't know. And we're working hard to think that they don't see what's going on, but they do. And a lot of times when that happens is we're not eating right. We're not getting enough rest. Right. And we're that's not going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. If we are going to the doctor, they aren't listening to us. Yes. And that brings me on to my next point. Number one, self-care um, and stress relief are so important. Do what makes yeah. you happy. That's healthy for you. You know, take that bubble bath. You know what I mean? Put some lavender. Lavender helps you to relax. I love me some lavender oil. I'm obsessed with rose and vanilla scents and all these things. I take me a bath. That's what I do. I give myself a facial. That's what I do. Doing those little things. Keep getting your hair done, sis. Keep getting them nails done, them toes done, because that's your self-care. That's what you do. can make you happy. Yes. If you like to just eat ice cream and watch, I don't know, 90 Day Fiance on Sunday nights, do it. But make sure that you're also exercising. Make sure that you're also eating right, taking care of your body. I like Haagen-Dazs, but I don't think you should eat it every day. You know, give yourself that Sunday. Get you on Sundays, have you a little comfort food. But, you know, on them other days, get them leafy greens in, sis, and some cardio. Get it you in. You know the right diet for you, y'all. <laughs> you get it in. Find you a good doctor. Let them know what you're trying to do because you should just be jumping on these diets either. Yes, all of these um, man wave diets. Like, I ain't gonna lie, I got my waist trainer on right now. Yes, I do. Well, I also had the millennial meal today because I literally lived off of like two iced coffees and a donut today. <laughs> That's I, a millennial meal. I don't know what happened, but I just wasn't hungry. So, don't do that, ladies. I got two boys in here, right? And they've been eating me out of house to home. You gotta remember, ladies, just feed your soul, feed your gut, just not too much. You know, feed <laughs> That's right. Food. You can't just ignore, you can't ignore your whole body. You got to look at this holistically. Yes, the whole body, mind, body, and spirit. Um, and, you know, spirit would be, you know, your mental health. You know, body would be your diet, physical, making sure you're healthy. And then, you know, uh, you know, do what, do what makes you happy. Um, and then, okay, let's go back on to this whole healthcare tip. And you touched on it, not believing us when we're in pain. 
The doctors just don't listen to us, period. Let's be real here. It goes back to the myth of this strong black woman, like where we have superhuman strength and we don't feel pain. No, motherfucker. Ow. It hurts. I feel it. It hurts. And so what we need to do, and this can save lives, okay, is number one, you need to start noting refusal. When a doctor is refusing, you're saying I'm in pain or or you know I'm experiencing these symptoms and they're not listening to you, you feel like you're not being heard, at that mm -hmm. moment you need to be assertive and let the doctor know, okay, so I wanna be 100% clear with this doctor, with this nurse, you are refusing treatment. And if that is what you're doing, you need to note it in my chart. And I'm also gonna note it at this date at this time, your name, you refuse me at this medical center, at this hospital. If you can get their license number, if they've written you a prescription before, then you got their license number. The pharmacy have it on file. Figure it out. You can look a doctor up online and see what their information is. Make sure you are noting it. You note it personally, and then you make sure that they note it. And I bet you, you'll see a difference in their response. You also have the right to say, okay, I hear what you're saying, so I'm going to go give me a second opinion. Thank and you. And remind them that with a HIPAA, you could get, they have to send your medical records to whoever you ask them to send your medical records to. So always, if you feel like your doctor paid you the mind, you have every right to get a second opinion. That's right. Do not let them just also, tell you. scare the bejesus out of them and tell them, write it in my chart, that you are refusing medical attention. You are refusing to listen to my complaints. You are refusing. Write it down in my chart. And I bet you you see a difference with them real quick. Because now it's documented. Their fucking bullshit is documented. Remember to advocate for yourself. Be honest with the doctor. If you feel like the doctor's attitude is not what you're feeling, you're like, you know what, I don't really care for your bedside manner and find you a new doctor. You have to be able to trust your doctor to be honest with your doctor. Because if you can't tell your doctor that you had a wild Saturday with two dudes and you may need an STD test, you, what, what are you really there for? I'm not saying personally me, but you have to be able to be comfortable with your doctor so that way your health is fully covered. Right. Because if you're not comfortable, you don't want to ask a question. You can literally put your life in danger. This is very true. This could be something totally could turn into cervical cancer. That weird perk in your breast could be could turn into breast cancer. It's it's a number of things. If you really slow down and listen to your body, it's talking to you. It is mm -hmm. telling you what's wrong. Like I realize I don't have a good reaction to carbs. I like carbs, but they don't react with me well. They make me very sleepy. And food is supposed to fuel your body, not shut it down and make it go to sleep. So if you listen to your body, um, you know, like we say, write it down. Because, you know, how often are we going to the doctor? We're not going every week. We're not going to go in every two weeks. A lot of us do not have insurance. That is one thing because we're working part-time jobs with these shitty insurances. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we as in me. I'm just saying black women in general, we happen to not have great insurance. I remember before I got the job that I have, I had shitty insurance. Mm -hmm. Or having to budget to be sick. Let me tell you, I love my job because that shit is free. Um, and I'm going to miss that once I become a lawyer. I'm going to have to actually pay. Oh co -pays. I'm going to have to actually pay for my medication. So well, I, now it, it's amazing. I don't get paid well, but my benefits is, is the shit. <laughs> if you have good health insurance, use it to your benefit. Make sure you go and get your annual screenings. Well, listen, Make whatever 
they are giving for free, take it. I like free shit. Okay, so if I have dental, if I have vision, if I have it's paying for therapy find out because you'd be really surprised going back to that therapy point you'd be surprised what your health insurance is paying for they may have a list of providers you can go to and you can look because that was what i had to do like i said therapy for black girls they did not most of the doctors did not accept my health insurance and real good therapists charge by the hour cash money because they can because they're they that good so like i said if you if that's not working for you a they have scholarships scholarships b go on to your healthcare provider their website and see what you can get for free also check with your provider check, well your employer your employer yeah. sometimes based on the insurance that they have may have an employee employee assistance program um new york city department of health right now is offering free telehealth therapy if you guys are in the new york city area and you are feeling overwhelmed by this quarantine You'll see Department of Health is offering free telehealth, mental health services. There's also a phone call, google311.gov. You should be good to go. 311.newyorkcity.gov. And you should be able to pull that up. So don't feel as if you got to be out here alone. Yes, it's stressful. There's also blogs you could check out. There's Facebook groups you could check out. So you're not out here alone. And there, there's tons of women, particularly black women, who are out there explaining to y'all, don't be letting these doctors do whatever on you. Yes. You know what your body's telling you. You ain't finna Henrietta lax me, bitch. Never. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's move on. We got a lot to cover um, in this episode. Um, so the myth of the strong black woman, that's the spiritual toll. We were talking about mind, body, and spirit. So, um, you know, we're supposed to be able to just take abuse. Um, you know, they're always calling us strong, you know, and we're tired of that shit. Like I, I'm, I'm either the angry black woman or I'm the strong black woman. I'm either ghetto or I'm bougie. There's no in between. I feel like there's no, um, room as a black woman for self-expression or autonomy. It's, it's what people want you to be, how they see you, not how you see yourself. So personally, I get that you're a strong black woman all the time. I mean, I have three children and I get that, you know, you're, you've come so far and, oh, you're such an inspiration and a role model. First of all, I'm not trying to be all that. Just trying to live my best life and leave a legacy for my children. That's what I'm trying to do. It's to be strong is not always what they think it is. It's tiring to be strong. It's tiring to know that if you don't get up, your kids don't eat. It's tiring to know that you don't got nobody you could turn to when your lights are about to get cut off. There's nobody you could turn to. And the person that you are supposed to turn to, whether that be a family member, the church, the government actually isn't trying to help you because they're like, so you just couldn't do You're expected to do so much with so little and then be grateful that you were given the littlest of opportunity or help to do whatever. It's, it's unfortunate for us. It's never, we're never able to just be fragile. We're never able to just be vulnerable and we're never able to just for once, just breathe. We're always expected to be, to protect somebody. We're always expected to be 110 and give it all we're expected to be smarter and faster and prettier and everything to everybody. And it's just, it, it doesn't, we're tired. We're fucking tired. 
Yeah, it's exhausting. That's all I can say. I feel like it's constant because of the notion of being strong. I feel like it's constant abuse, disrespect, and neglect that is constantly coming our way because it's, oh, you can take it. I don't have to be my best. I can come to you at my worst. That's, that's, I feel like that's the notion, especially when it comes to like a lot of black men. Um, the notion is I can come to you at my worst. I don't have to put on airs for you and you will just accept me as I am. But then when it comes to other women, it's let me put my best foot forward. It feels like that sometimes. I get that. What I, what, you know what I do get is that we're expected to not just be the girlfriend, but the baby. We're supposed to love you. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what you throw at us, we're still expected to be there and support you. Right. One time where you feel as if you're not getting all of our attention, in which at this one point we're trying to worry about us now, it's a fucking problem. Right. How could you? And it's like, nah, we're tired. We've given you all that we could give. Right now, we want to give some to ourselves. And I think that's what's happening right now. And there's this anger because we're tired at this point. We're the front lines. We're always fighting for everyone and everything. And no one fights for us. And at this point, now we're like, you know what? Fuck that shit. We're going to fight for each other. It's black women for ourselves. And now people are mad. Mm-hmm. That's what they're fucking pissed. I just have no more energy left to give. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm just tired. It's exhausting to, I mean, as a black person right now in America, or just globally, but especially in America, do you know how exhausting it is to turn on the TV, to pick up your phone, go on social media, and everything that you're seeing is negative images of people who look like you? Whether they are being portrayed in a negative light on on some stupid TV show or some stupid reality show, or it's seeing black bodies that look like yours being shot, being literally, black people are literally being hung from trees right now across America, and these motherfuckers got the nerve to say it was suicide. I ain't never heard of a black person hanging themselves from a fucking tree. Now, I'm not saying that you have to choose to end your life. You might, you might hang yourself, but it's not from a fucking tree. I guarantee you that. Because the symbolism, the God. symbolism of what that means, hell to the fucking no. You would do it from That's how you know it's not us. And you're right. That's how you, you know it's we're inside your home first before you no, go outside not, and find a fucking tree. It's, it's the fact of it resembling a lynching that we know that it's not black people doing it to themselves. Exactly. Like like I said, I'm not saying that, you know, how a person chooses, I don't want to really get into this too deep, but how a person chooses to end their life is on them. But I'm just saying at the climate that we're in right now, the and black bodies hanging from a tree, that is strange fruit. And I am sorry, but we do not do that to ourselves. You might do that shit in the privacy of your home. You might hang yourself from the shower rod, but bitch, you're not going outside, driving to no park, driving out to the woods to hang yourself from a fucking tree. That is not us doing that to ourselves. I can say that because one, it's not something you will put your family through because the connotation behind hanging from a tree. 
um, is a very public situation. And these are people according to their families who weren't suicidal at all. So it's just, it's too much of a coincidence. This, it's not even the same place. They're all over the country, it's five to six people. And they're, it, no, it's the, somebody's doing it. And the y'all try, it's not, I can't co-sign any of that. That is because, the, listen, funny. the same way in which they have failed. Um, Brianna um, Taylor. Brianna Taylor, Aubrey, the same way in which they failed and we had to literally put pressure on them to open these investigations, to hold people accountable, is the same way in which these state and government officials have decided it's a black fucking body and I don't give a fuck and it's not worth my time and energy in investigating it because one less nigga I got to fucking worry about. That's really what it is. It's, it's a black person who is dead, and it's one less for me to worry about, and it's one less investigation I have to give a fuck into, look into. That's really what it is. Let's, let's... It takes for all of us to continue to have outrage. It takes for all of us to continue to have outrage and to get these people to ensure that those people are not forgotten and that these instances, because it's not suicide, I don't care what you right. say, are looked into to ensure, because it's, it's, it's a family thing and a lot of people forget particularly people of color when it comes to committing suicide there's a lot that they think of which is why black women don't commit suicide as we are probably the lowest demographic to commit suicide because they were still thinking about what the fuck we gonna do who gonna take care of the kids like we really don't even give ourselves a chance to get out of that like i've i've actually spoke about this in social work school about six years ago we spoke about why the numbers among suicide numbers among black women were low. And a lot of them said it's because black women tend to be primary caregivers with no one to take care of their families if they were gone. Exactly. And they don't have the financial means to provide, whereas some well off people will have life insurance policies and et cetera. Most black women don't have the financial ability to have that. And so right. their only option is to continue on and take care of their family because the family would be fucked if right. they weren't anymore i mean that's where the dynamic of a strong black woman comes from and it's not being a strong black woman that is desperation and that is you being resilient you are the last resort and yes so it's not being strong like there's there's no it's other option to, to it's exactly is you have to there's no other option we're forced to be strong we don't want to be we are it's forced no to be strong it's that or nothing else. When you talk about black women, you talk about, um, you know, just, for, just forced to be strong. You know, I, I start to think about, like you mentioned earlier, all the black women who are at the forefront of different movements. And so there's a woman, um, Kimberly Crenshaw, who was at the forefront or who created the Say Her Name. Because I think when we focus on Black Lives Matter, we focus primarily on the men. We're not thinking about the woman. And, and her words were that black women killed by the police are seen as collateral damage. It's back to like rape culture. It's, it's going back to that. Like this is these, you know, this is what she was saying and, and it resonated with me. And it's because, you know, it's always the woman. What did she do? What could you have done differently? And so like with Brianna Taylor, it's like, you know, she's just collateral damage. They were going to her house to do a no-knock warrant. Um, 
they were in the wrong home and the people who they were looking for were already in custody and they are going to stand by the color and the letter of the law and say i was doing my job but i'm sorry there comes a point where y'all aren't doing a fucking good job you're just not this woman was in her home sleep didn't deserve to die now these are states with people are able to have guns in their home the police know this so shouldn't you understand or your trainer tell you this alert them or something because evidently people are able to protect their home so if you roll up on me and oh come by my window in the middle of the night, sneaking by, and I'm not a expected company, and I don't live in New York City no more. What did we learn in school? That upstate they're allowed to have guns because of what? Bears? Mm-hmm. You are allowed to have certain weapons upstate that you aren't allowed to have in the five boroughs. Technically, you can't really have a gun permit in the five boroughs. Right, um, you can't. I mean, it's New York City. We got 8 million people. We don't need anybody having guns. No. But yeah. um, in the terms of justifying, you know, yourself outside of a metropolitan setting, you know, a lot of a lot of states have the right to carry, uh, yes. or you can have the right to have. Like in a lot of states, you can go to a Walmart and buy a gun. I do feel that black women need to get guns. I feel like they need to have them in their home. If you are a single mom and you live in a state where you can get a gun, get one. Get one. Learn from self-defense as well. We have to protect ourselves at this point. At this point, I mean, yes, we can do better moving forward. We can raise our sons um, to be to to be held accountable. You know, we can. But a lot of a lot of the damage is already done. Absolutely. And, and so we need to protect ourselves. Um, to be vocal. Continue to teach, like you said, teach your boys. Not to be rapists, teach your boys to understand, to keep their hands to themselves. Mm-hmm. Understand that everyone has agency. Everyone is able to decide what they want to do for themselves. And you don't have that right to make a decision for someone else. And it's a wrap, folks. That was a lovely, lovely episode of Bar Study Podcast where we discuss love, law, libations. You can catch us on Instagram at Bar Study Podcast. And our Email is barstudypodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow me at theratchetprofessional.com. And remember, folks, we do not give out legal advice. Good night.